0: Mental matters ain't a simple pattern. We need to have a central chatter. Food for thought, grab a platter. My mental ain't for rental. I'm a central man, it's simple. I'm a ripple in the rip, though. I don't wanna sick my ship, so gotta know your mental. Black life is hard, I don't resent though. Feelings really real, we should present those. Talk about it. You should know your mental matters. Your mental matters, mental matters,
1: yeah.com. So with that being said, I want to jump right into this discussion. But before we do any of that. Um like to get to know our guests, things of that nature, and um, kind of kick off the discussion that way. So, Dr. Coleman, tell us a little bit about your background, because I read the bio, and I don't want to uh, be remiss in missing any of the important facts. But um, from, you know, like you mentioned, you went to law school, and you mentioned you um, definitely helped when it comes to, you, you said you're a minister, if I'm not mistaken?
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, when I was 12 or 13, I knew that I would be an attorney. So I always had that understanding. It was probably that that providential um, connection with the, the Holy One, the Spirit uh, that guided me into knowing I would be an attorney. So I became an attorney after joining the military, came back home and uh, went to law school and it was um, an interesting ride being in law school. So I have had a a journey where I've always felt that the the hand of God was on my life. And long story short, when I um, was in the in the Navy. There were things that happened that were like, "Okay, God is ordering my steps and and one of the things that I can can distinctly remember is that going to law school going into um, working for different people in community through the city of Detroit and prosecuting cases for them going into um working for the Legal Aid Defender's Office. There's still a lot of work in the community for legal legal services. That led me to believe that when I'm sitting there talking to someone and, and, and this person has committed a crime and I'm trying to do work with them, it made me think, wait a minute, what's going on? And you start reading the backgrounds of the people and you started saying, So they had food insecurity, so they had family dynamic issues. And so somewhere there came to be this this connection with me understanding that mental health matters when we're talking about everything. Mental health touches us in profound ways. So the other part of me um, going into having a terminal degree, uh, passing the bar. Finally, it took me more than one time. So for those of you who are struggling with things, understand that sometimes you become a better person because of your struggles. People don't want to talk about their struggles. They want to talk about their successes. So through the the trouble of having to take the bar and take it again and, you know, go through that, I was able to build my character. And, And sometimes when you don't have anything else but your name, you end up saying, I'm going to make it anyway. Fast forward, I have two little babies. I went to law school with two babies. And uh, one was in the stroller and one was three. So that was real hard. And I was a single mother. So uh, one of the challenges that I will tell you going forward was I'm looking at how to take care of other people, but I did not realize that my own child was autistic. That same child not only was autistic, but he was hit between a van and a car. And so he had complex traumas. So how do we get to be that I have two doctorate degrees? One is my law degree. The other one is my, counseling degree, uh, which is also a ministerial degree, it's a pastoral community counseling degree, it is because sometimes the struggles and the challenges that we go through, they help to shape us. I'm going to pause for a quick second and say that when I was seeing the psychiatrist to help my child who was autistic, it was pretty much like a brush off. I did not like that. And so that's why I went and got my master's in marriage and family therapy with specializations in sex therapy and specializations in Christian counseling. I did that because I didn't want other families to feel marginalized. Here I was, a licensed attorney, but people looking at me as if, you know, we're not gonna treat you the way you need to be treated. And so I care for people in a meaningful way because of the way people have not treated uh, me properly, my child properly, and there we had it.
1: And you are still, you go by Dr. Coleman, by the way. So that is just in itself a huge testimony just to you know your journey. And I'm glad you shared that with us, thank you. Um, okay. So with that, I mean, and you kind of touched on it already. One of the things we always ask our guests is, why does your mental matter to you?
0: Mental health matters, like I said, because I have a child who is now an adult that has, um, the autism has morphed into serious mental illness. Uh, mental health matters because when I'm walking down the street or driving down the street, I deal with people. But it matters because at any moment, any one of us, On the planet can have what I call mental frailty and in church Mm -hmm. settings people say you either going through a storm you're getting ready to go through a storm or you in a storm right now and so when when it comes to mental health mental health talks about things uh like okay what about uh Someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one that is just dying because they're dying of old age. You're going to miss that grandmother, that grandfather, that uncle, that mentor. So that becomes a mentally vulnerable place. People get depressed. People have anxieties. When we talk about corona right now and the coronavirus, people have a lot of depression and anxiety because of social isolation. So when you deal with these subjects, you're dealing with the fact that people think of mental illness as someone out there. But the truth of the matter is the frailties of mental challenges wear on all of us. And I believe that the conversation should be candid and be had where we say, uh, okay, what am I going to be dealing with? When my mother passed away, I went to the doctor and said, hey, I need something. They said, you need something. I said, yeah, Dr. Coleman is telling Dr. Co- this doctor that she needs to take something because of the anxiety. When we don't tell ourselves the truth, we become victims of wearing that mask and becoming a part of a masquerade, which really is not very beneficial for our own mental health.
1: And we see, especially as a, uh, especially as black men, we see a lot of our fellow colleagues hiding behind their masks. And so, you know, as we were looking to prepare, you know, a real life discussion about this, there were some questions that were submitted um, that we would just like to kind of get into. So um, we'll do just that. So one of these is more so for you, Um, As a mother, as a wife, as a person in your profession, um, do you have a problem addressing the truth?
0: Absolutely not. I went into sex therapy because as much as we talk about sex, we don't talk about sex. As much as we talk about things that are in marriages and relationships and in families, we talk around them and we let our anger or our emotions get the better of us. But it's only when we start to deal with those real conversations that we are able to say uh, something needs to be addressed with this. And sometimes that thing that needs to be addressed is within myself. How am I going to respond to things around me? So I think that that is an important conversation to be had.
1: So you said something I was very key in. Um, me and Jerrell often talk about this a lot. Um You mentioned how people, in the in the context we're talking about, they talk about the issue, but they don't talk about the issue. You know, they they'll scratch the surface a little bit, but they won't really get to the nooks and crannies of either they don't know how, or they're just ashamed to really put it out there. It's just like I'm gonna give you a little bit of what I'm going through, but I don't wanna. At least from the black male perspective, we we wanna give a little. But we want to give too much because we don't want people to be like, oh, he's just just a weak dude or whatever it may be.
0: Well, let me just tell the truth. You can't show your hemorrhoids to everybody, honey. You can't talk to everybody about everything. And so this is true. To be in position to find the right people to talk to for the right reasons. And exactly. so you can't go around saying, like that little book when we were little kids, are you my mother? Well, here's my problem. You can't do that because some people will put you on Facebook, put you on social media, put your, your troubles on blast, and you really have a problem there. So you have to be selective about who you need to talk to. And are they people who will hold your confidences? Are they people who are positioned to tell you the truth? Are you receptive to hearing it from them? And are they somebody that you can even get guidance from? So, so you've got multiple layers to what you're talking about. Um, you know, And and Mr. Winfrey, when you put your truth out there, you have to be cautious because there are some people who are malicious and they do not have any real care and concern. When it comes to private issues, I have people that are ministers and leaders in different professions. Um, They come because they know with my training as a lawyer, with my training as a clinician, a therapist, uh, as a trauma um, provider, that there are confidences that I can keep with with sex therapy, with uh, trauma, with all types of things that go on with people. You have to find people that will keep your confidences that are competent to share with you information, crucial to helping you to, um, to, to, to move forward from being stuck. I know that, um, as Richard said, we had a few questions that were submitted here. Um, one, of, one of the next ones that we had was um, regarding how Black men interact with one another. Um, the question is, what is the impact of childhood trauma and shaping how Black men interact with other Black men? That's a loaded question. Childhood trauma is so extensive and, and being a trauma specialist, one of the, the things I can tell you is there are a variety of traumas. The children um, that I have worked with, the adults whom I've worked with, um, I worked with people that have been incarcerated. I created a, a chaplaincy program where we went into Department of Corrections to um, provide uh, services for, for that population. So some of the traumas are abuse and neglect from a family situation. Some of the traumas stem from there was uh, either drugs or and or mental health challenges where that uh, was imposed on the children. Um, if you talk about sexual traumas, there were sexual traumas that, you know, men don't talk about having been violated. Um, you know, they just move forward. Uh, they, they try to go along and get along. And so, um, uh, when people are facing traumas, I think that, that it is essential that you find competent professionals that work in the areas of that trauma to help you realize that there is a future and a hope beyond that tragedy. So you'll find someone that is 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old who experienced trauma when they were 10, but that trauma is still fresh because they've never fully dealt with it. Being in position to say, I need help, and then taking the additional step not to just say, oh, I want to get help. It didn't work. I say keep finding uh, how you can research people that meet your needs. If A through Z doesn't work, then start with AA and keep moving until you find someone that is a good fit for what your needs are.
1: And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, even as a you know, black man just entering my 30s, um, one of the things that, you know, I can attest to, and I have no problem even sharing this story in full detail, but, um, one of the things I think about is my, one of my childhood traumas. And many people don't think about the impact that addiction has on their children. Um, whether it be drinking, whether it be drugs, whether it be gambling, even, um, that addiction has a secondhand effect on your children. And, you know, I think that, you know, especially from parents should make sure that they understand the impacts of that, because um, that may even cause some type of friction within your relationship. And that's something that, you know, even in my adult life, I'm still making sure that I talk to my therapist about it, how to fully vet and not only identify that trauma, but how to process and move through that trauma. You can't really move away from it, but it's more so how to address and move through life with that trauma.
0: Absolutely. And and you know, I I talk about this um Mr. Runfree in the sense that I think about um families and and people that are involved in our lives. Sometimes um, you know, there are families that have cycles of trauma that have been imposed on generations. So this is what that family does. So you've got cycles of incest, cycles of substance abuse, cycles of, of um, you know, domestic violence. You know, daddy beat on somebody, so I'm gonna beat on somebody. And so what people have to do is be able to identify those patterns. I'm really big on saying how there are patterns in relationships and families, patterns that you have. Um, When you see that there's an addictions pattern, you have to be very cognizant of it. You have to be able to say, how does that impact me? So I call that kind of like the um, um, golden corral, the buffet kind of thing of life. Whatever someone put on your plate that was imposed when you were a child when you become an adult you don't have to put the the addiction on your plate you have to be able to say how do I back away from that because that's a danger zone for me because grandmama did it granddaddy did it and so on and so forth I refuse to do it the buck stops with me and I won't pass that on to my children and, and if you have challenges within different people having substance issues, um, move into a place where you can get that help so that you won't continue to repeat that cycle.
1: I agree with you. Um, and one of the underlying just phrases within that is generational curses. Um, we're looking to break especially this these times we're trying to break so many different curses when it comes to um, mental illness when it comes to finances you know when it comes to even spirituality in the church you know there has been some gaps if you will and it's like well, you know you're gonna go to church with me on Sunday because we always went to church on Sunday and practice this type of religion or like we've always, you know, spent money at the bare minimum this way because we, we didn't have, have as much. So now we're looking at getting different degrees that help us to um, advance ourselves and our family tree down the line in a more sufficient manner. Or it'd be, you know, I know, you know, great granddaddy, you know, couldn't put the bottle down. So I'm going to be mindful. of it's, it's not necessarily just saying I'm not going to drink because my father, my my grandfather, what they drank. It's more so identifying why I'm drinking. Like, am I doing this to address the problem? Or am I doing this to socially, like, engage things of that nature? So it, it's a lot of different layers, as you mentioned, um, of how to unpack and break those curses. It's just a matter of, you know, us having that support system, as you mentioned, um, of people around you can talk to your traumas with and say, hey, you know what? Not feeling today. And having the right people. The ecosystem is so and I found that to be between both Blair and Jarrell. I found those to be extremely crucial to say hey I'm going to do some stuff and I can't reach out to so and so about it. Like I need to get this out to you. And you know just having that space Mm -hmm. just really helps to not only lighten the mood but it lets me know like I'm addressing things the right way you know, I'm not running away from those things.
0: I commend you for that because, you know, people don't share their truths as we talked about um, just a little bit ago. People don't share their truths when they see people, they're like, hey, how you doing? And that is a general greeting. But then if you told your truth, hey, this is going on and that's going on and the third is going on, People look at you like, ah, uh, yeah, buddy, I gotta go. I don't have time to get into your laundry list of problems. Yeah. So it is essential that you have the Blairs and the Jarrels, or you have the the people who are your confidants, who are going to say, "Listen, brother. Listen, sister. Uh, I I will walk with you." And that's the, that's the essence of chaplaincy. But it's the essence of being a a human being, being able to say, I will walk with you in your struggle. And and, and finding, um, as I said earlier, not sharing your challenges with everybody because they become fodder for gossip.
1: They become mm-hmm.
0: fodder for ridicule. Well, hey, I saw you when you were at your work's having that ability to identify close, significant people in your life, sharing your truth, um, being transparent, that's a give and a take. So it's not you only sharing, it's the others around you um, being able to share their truths. And there's a saying that iron sharpens iron. That means that when 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 my blade is dull and, and I'm down, and I just really am not feeling it, I'm not walking around talking about I'm Dr. Coleman. I'm Reverend Dr. Lawyer Coleman. No no sir, I have people that I'm able to say, look, I'm not feeling it, and 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 that helps us because there's this image that you've got it going on so much, but all hell breaking through in your life. How do we get past that? And that's the part where I think knowing yourself and your limitations is crucial to be able to say, I've got to get help where I can with those who are able to assist me. Anybody that's not able to assist me, this is not time for crowd gatherings. This is not something to observe. This is something where I get the help that I need. And if I can't get it from them, I'm going to keep looking. So you owe it to yourself to keep looking.
1: So I have just been informed that the Facebook live feed is going crazy with questions. (laughs) So um, what I will do is, there was one more I wanted to make sure that we um, discuss, and that is the obvious signs of trauma, especially in black men. Um while we care about trauma for everyone my primary concern is the black community because that's all I know that's all what's around and those are the people that look like me and can probably relate to me the most Um so with that and this may even change depending on how old you are how young you are so I'm going to ask the question of in your opinion what are some or expertise even what are some obvious signs of trauma in black men
0: you know, that is a, another loaded question. You are coming with the great questions. Okay? I
1: am going based on the pleasure of the people assembled. <laughs> they wanted to know these things. And I'm like, I know I can answer because I will go on a tangent and we will be somewhere on seven miles or whatever with this long when they answer. So I'm asking somebody that may be able to professionally help identify what these obvious signs of traumas are.
0: Well, we have obvious signs of trauma that don't look obvious. I've got um, a husband and three sons and I've got a whole lot of male cousins. When I tell you it's a bunch of those jokers and I've got a lot of male friends and males that I deal with in general. And one of the things that I've discovered is that uh, trauma in black men doesn't look like trauma. A lot of times trauma looks like I'm okay. How you doing? I'm okay. Or I'm
1: chilling, I'm cool. I'm, I'm
0: chilling, I'm cool. And so you have to be positioned to know that he not cool. Uh-uh. Something else is going on. And so that is the reason why we are better when we are connected to a not a whole bunch of people, not like you talking social media, you got five thousand friends. You got five thousand friends, that's a lie. Let me tell you all, you can have people that you know that follow you and all that. But when you have one or two key people that know you, they know the signs. And I'll give you an example. Back in the day when people used to go out to the clubs, we talking about Probably I'm I'm older than you all are. So back in the day when, when men used to ask women to dance and they would buy the lady a drink, I'll buy you a drink, that kind of thing. You could tell when somebody was dealing with something by the way they had a drink. If they was doing a double, you knew they were stressed out. If they was drinking cranberry juice, you knew they'd been to the doctor. If they were doing... Things like talking, you know, in riddles, like, you know, man, I don't know. You knew that their heart might've been broken. You have to be able mm-hmm. to look at the signs based on the interaction with the individual. This is more of a complex question now that we have coronavirus and we're socially distancing. So we cannot see one another as frequently to pick up on the signs. Hey, Richard, let me see how you doing. And you looking like, oh, well, you noticed that, huh? Because you're going to say, okay, or she, I'm going to say, you say, hey, Donna, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, ain't nothing going on. But if you're in close relation with people, pick up the subtle signs. If you call someone on the telephone and they're not sounding themselves, those are small indicators. When you're talking about more pervasive kinds of trauma, they may sometimes talk about it often. And they may repeat, you know, the issues that they feel that they are having in relationships or the inability to sustain a relationship. It may show up as anger. it may show up as um, uh, they can't really keep a job they can't very well focus on things or on their job they are are irritable, so you've got irritability you've got anger you've got frustration uh, the com- the communications are um, they they are ruminations of things that they talk about consistently. And it's like, you know, they can't get out of that rut. And so finding how to help them may well be saying, let's direct you to this professional who can help them unpackage their trauma. And when they unpackage it, the person has to be someone that is empathetic and someone that is culturally sensitive to the needs of that individual for whatever their um, background is. So those are just a few of the things that, that indicate trauma. But for a lot of Black men, they are not going to necessarily say anything or they're going to show it with anger or frustration or Sometimes become hyper vigilant in their bedroom activities and different things like
1: that. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the main things is, and Jarrell, I, I bet you can get this question right. There's not a time where I'll call you just like to talk to you over the phone. I'm probably FaceTiming you, right? Like, I want to see faces. Like, I want to see how you're physically doing. Right. I want to get that. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I want to see your facial reactions. Not because I care about you know, if I tell him I want to see what his reaction is going to be, it's like, no, like, I guess I'm a special person because I want to see your reaction. I want to see, you say you're good, but, like, I want to see your face when you say you're good so I can know if you lie or not, you know what I'm saying? So that is a very real statement, and a lot of, there's a lot of Android users versus iPhone users, but I was like, Apple got something right. They don't have everything right, but they got the FaceTime thing together. I'm like, we I like FaceTime people out the blue, but some people may not agree with that. So we will move right on. Um, So there was a lot of activity, I believe. And Blair, I'm going to allow you to kind of cue up what some of those questions are. But there were a wealth of questions, I believe, in the Facebook chat that we want to make sure we get to or try to get to because we ain't got that long.
2: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. So the first question that we have is, Please share how to initiate a discussion with friends and family to obtain mental health service if needed.
0: So sometimes your friends and family can't handle the truth and they're gonna say in some cultures and some backgrounds, boy, ain't nothing what's wrong with you. Go and sit down somewhere, go, you know. And and so it is what I said before. I keep coming back to that answer. Just because your family and your friends love you, they might not be able to, as Jack Nicholson said, and a few good men, they might not be able to handle your truth. And if they cannot handle your truth, Don't put that out there because now you got to start fighting with them about, I need help. No, you don't. I need help. No, you don't. Who needs that argument when you're already grappling with the decision to say, I need help? So the first thing to do is to acknowledge self, I need help. And self says, yes, you need help. I've been trying to tell you that for a while. Listen to yourself. And as your self starts to say to you that kinder, gentler self that's not trying to to take um, and do anything but to help you, you say, what do we need to do? And self says, the first thing we need to do is to try to ask whom can we ask for being a service provider for me. And if you have people in your circle, and this is the importance of having list, having relevant humanistic list of resources. And those resources, that way nobody has to get all in your mix when they say, hey, I got a friend. They like, he lying, she lying, that friend is them. They need to the help. <laughs> so you can ultimately say, we've got this list of resources. The resources are for reaching out to this professional or that professional. And you find the one that you feel most comfortable with. Um, and then after you are stronger, After you are stronger, you are able to then have a conversation. And that way you are then able to say, listen, family, it might go something like this. But see, I'm straight, no chaser. It might go something like this for me. I might say, listen, family, I've been grappling with getting some help and I finally went and got some help and I'm doing better now. And all of those triangulations and different family disputes and family dynamics, you have put yourself in a position of power because if you are little nephew or little niece, you know, baby, let me tell you this. You don't need that. Come on over here. Let me give you you know a, a drink or let me all of these dynamics can take you down a rabbit hole when you are stronger, you're able to tell people or oh, guess what don't even tell them because it ain't their business It's about you taking care of your own wellness.
1: What about that part? <laughs> I'll, I'll, i i I want to add to that and I'll make it brief because in my immediate circle knows the story a little bit but 2020 was a lot and between my own struggles with my my mother to you know Black Lives Matter reaching all times like me like power struggle with you last year to the health pandemic that we were going through was still going through with COVID-19 I remember I turned to my wife and I was like that's a lot (laughs) it's just how you feeling That, that my answer was man dog like for real. And that was my literal response. She was like, you need to find a therapist. I think this is your time. And one of the initial things that I looked up, some really cool websites um, is therapy for black men, um, therapy for black girls, and also psychology. I believe it's psychology today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those are some great resources for you to find interview. You know, this is the time for you to interview your doctors and say, hey, look, listen, I want to know about you, but I I need to get some help from somebody I can actually vibe with, connect with. And if you go through that process, um, you may know someone of your immediate friends that may go to counseling. Hit up that therapist first. There's no problem with that. And if that person's a good fit, then you hit the money because that sometimes don't happen that way. Um, So yeah, don't be afraid to search those websites and we'll make sure we put that information in episode notes. But um, if you know somebody else that's going to therapy or going to counseling, by any means, just simply ask, hey, who do you talk to?
0: Absolutely, I agree 100% with you. And I think that that having those um, conversations with people that can give those resources. But in forums like this, and I really salute you all for doing this, in forums like this, you get those doctors, you get those lawyers, you get those um, mental health professionals, you get whatever it is, you get those food pantries. Here's another thing. People can be driving, I, I need to break this down like a chicken wing, your favorite chicken wing. See, I'm in Atlanta and I see lemon pepper and hot wings and all that. I'm going it to- It is all
1: about <laughs> the jerk chicken wing on this show. I need you to at least acknowledge <laughs> the jerk chicken wing because Jerrell. Is the absolute pro when it comes to making jerk chicken wings. <laughs>
0: chicken wings, whatever kind of chicken wings you need. We're, gonna okay, we good. <laughs> we're going to have to be able to get in your mind. I need help and don't be ashamed to get the help. Break it down in your mind. I'm going out here to get help and I'm going to have a forum where you Alphas of Southfield have put this on. Get the resources for for anybody watching on Facebook Live, anybody watching the tape, give good resources to this organization so that they can pass the information on to others. It is each person's due diligence once they get the resources to say this is a good fit. What I was going to say when I stopped and paused for a minute is that You have professional people that are in trouble financially. They need food pantries. They need food banks. They need different information that people might say, but they drive in a Benz. Well, they bought that Benz when they was doing better. They, and I just break things down like the chicken wings, like I said, I break it down because people don't wanna talk about that. So the person that's got the title, the person that's got the, the luxury items, the nice house, the family, they may be the very ones that need help. In our communities, we have to do better by not making judgment. I'm in a good position. My husband and I are in a good position financially right now where we've been in a good position, but that ain't always been the case. Sometimes you got more title than you got money in your pocket. And so when you look at people and you start talking and telling the truth, put those resources out there because we don't know what this next wave of pandemic or anything else that comes along that surprises people will bring with it. And if you, you know, there was an old statement that says, if you're already ready, you ain't got to get ready. So if you have something that happens that comes up like the second, third wave of the pandemic or something new, the resource list is already out there and we become a support system because of the fact that we've already put things in place
2: on that all right moving forward we have we have a lot of questions but um here's one from your personal experience what is the best way that our women can support us and what is the and what are the perception traps that what are the perception traps out there that keep relationships from striving
0: say that last part what are the perception traps
2: that keep relationships from thriving?
0: So people get together for the whole wrong reasons. They get together for stuff that, that's just superficial and they get together, who he find, who she find, they find and crazy as a road lizard. And you sometimes <laughs> got to understand what you're dealing with. Sometimes you need to be able to back away from something and say, you know, um, he or she is is really, you know, that's that's my type of drink right there. But um, there's a saying to go, fools rush in where angels dare to tread. We are becoming too old to be going around talking about how fine somebody is and how much somebody is going to add to my life materialistically. Um, There are things that you have to ask. What are you looking for in a mate? When you get a mate and you find that you are really compatible with them, um, everything, I've been married for decades and everything I think cannot come out my mouth. I sometimes have to uh, shut up and color. I need to be quiet because my husband is a good man. And he might be doing something that in my mind, and, and guess what, my mind is not always you know, that I'm perfect and I'm right. And so I have to recognize that he's his own person and he's a good man and he's a man that I love. And I don't wanna hurt him. So I'm not going to just say everything that comes up, it comes out. So I respect him. And I don't have to argue with him. I can can argue on all different fronts. I'm a talking professional. And you can see from this video, I'm a talker.
1: <laughs> Listen, we need keep giving these <laughs> gems. We could do this all night, but I, I, I want to <laughs> add some. I want to add some. Uh, I, I want to add some substance to what you mentioned. And so, I, I seen a, I seen a photo on Facebook. It was something about you know. I, I, I ultimately like as a man, I'm glad I got somebody that's going to tell the waitress that my order wrong because I'm probably not going to say it, but they're going to say it. So, like, I, I'm honestly, <laughs> honestly, like, grateful for the fact of, you know, going into a relationship knowing what I bring to the table and also, especially as a black man, knowing what I don't bring to the table. And sometimes you're going to have a situation where, you know, how you can best support your significant other, in this case, you know, best way I can support my significant other is admitting, hey, I can grow some salmon all day, but balancing a checkbook, baby, let me tell you, I need you to just tell me what you need out of my bank account to make this happen. It's not to say I can't pay bills, but as we talked about before, if it was up to me, every weekend, I'll get a new pair of Jordans off the sneakers app, and it'd be terrible, and our bills won't be paid. So, it's understanding going as a black man hey this is what i bring to the table this is how i know we complement one another but this is how if i be if i'm completely transparent and honest with that part of it then that's part of the way i can you know pour into my woman and say hey you are while i'm good at this thing i recognize you are great at this thing so how can we make this a real relationship
0: Well, and and you have hit on a very, very essential point. And that point is, if she cuts the grass and digs ditches better than you do, and you make, you make the the food better and you're the chef and and you can take care of the babies better. That's all wonderful. It's about what goes right in that particular relationship. It's not about listening to the tongue waggers that are saying, if I was you, I would do, you know, forget that because it's about how do we enhance and take what we have to the next level. And, And that becomes Um, A conversation like what you've decided, your weaknesses are this, her strengths are that, her weaknesses are in areas that you are strong in. And so there's that balancing act that is so essential. Um, The way we help one another in relationships is to realize that um, this person has my back. This person loves me and you know we are going to have disagreements we're going to have intense moments of fellowship we're going to disagree and we're going to raise voices and people don't know how we talking this is how we talk up in here <laughs> so when when you when you stop faking real life you can't get to decades we've been together decades and and and, and we like each other that's my homeboy he he's that person that um, I like him and I love him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I don't like myself and I'm tired, we got to be serious about that part of the conversation. Because sometimes you're not going to like your mate in a particular moment. You're not necessarily going to even love them because you have, there's something called the hierarchy of needs If you don't have enough sleep, if you're physically ill, if something is going on that you can't be attentive to self-care, you're not gonna be very good at being attentive to to your, your loved one's care. And so being able to say, I need to sleep right now, I need to eat, I need to have my needs met, and letting that other person know that they respect that and they value that, that becomes how you all keep it together and not say, you know, why why aren't you doing this? We can't whine and complain all the time. That's for both sides.
1: Child, listen, you mentioned the phrase. And I want to make sure I get that one right. You said intense moments of fellowship.
0: Intense moments of fellowship, meaning we raise our voice. My husband, my husband is, 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 is uh, when I, if, if I had a trial and he was coaching a football game, we'd be like, Hey, what's up? You know, we would be intense because I was getting ready for trial <laughs> and he was getting ready for a game. And so when we were communicating, it wasn't that we were yelling at each other, it is that. The emotions of getting ready for our respective vocations. If somebody were to listen to us, then we'd be looking at somebody. If there was like something going on. There was nothing going on. We were just intensely, and then sometimes intense moments of fellowship is you have an argument, a disagreement. Uh, uh-uh, I agree with this, and you agree, you disagree with that. We ain't gonna agree with that, but we still love each other. Mm hmm.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that too. One of the pieces of advice I got when we first got married was, um, don't argue. It's okay to have grown ass conversations. And it was just like, yeah, that's, ha- that's gonna happen. And I think I have a new coin phrase for that and I'm, I'll make sure you get your, uh,
0: Let me your tell 10 you what cents
1: to every dollar on that.
0: My husband told me, say, so I get mad as hell at you, but I don't never I, want to go nowhere. I get mad and hell, you know, how are you going to win? A lawyer, a counselor, somebody. Look, I speak He Italiano. I speak Italian to him to tell him about himself in a minute. But I'm just saying, we are friends. And if you can be friends with your spouse, your significant other, and you can make it work, it is... All of those things make a difference. Because guess what? It is not about who's right. It's about what's right. I don't have to win. I want the best for us. So if I have that at the core and he has that at the core, we might just need to go to bed and stop, you know, talking about something. You know, let's let's talk about it later. Because right now I got a headache. And that's it. Come back on another day when it's a little bit better.
1: Facts. Let's get back Mm -hmm. into these Facebook streets. I know you said we have a lot more questions. And again, we will do our best (laughs) to get through them. But um, for the ones that we do not answer, we will figure out the best way um, to address these questions in the immediate future. And, you know, maybe we can even talk about doing a part two. But in the meantime... Let's get to these
2: Facebook streets. All right, next we have a question. It says, how can I tell the difference between what I believe is a bad habit or a character flaw from what may be how I deal with the things due to some trauma in my early life?
0: So I would need a little bit more clarification. Um, A bad habit, just going based on the question, Mm -hmm. a bad habit might... um, cause a person to have certain patterns, but I, I would need more clarification on that question because I'm not sure, trauma is such a deep issue. I'm not sure how to address that without having more. So if the person can maybe even type in the chat room or send some kind of um, indicator, I would like to be able to address that question, but I just need a little bit more to go on.
2: Okay, and we'll we'll see if we can get him to address it cuz that's actually one of our chapter brothers. So we okay. may set up something for him to talk to you maybe one-on-one or address it with you at that point.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Um our next question, um do you believe or do you feel that black men are reluctant to discuss mental health because of the stigma of weakness associated with mental issues?
0: Yes. I think there are a lot of Black men who are reluctant to discuss um, because there is a factor that I don't have many problems. I'm I'm okay. We talked about that earlier. And um, unless and until we are able to be candid about um, what's going on, problems will persist. Um, Our relationships are not good with ourselves and the people that we care about and um when you keep bumping your head up against a wall it becomes time to talk to yourself and then talk to someone that can help you and and being candid that it, this this life is so superficial you know I had a title when when um when I was a young woman I was a, a young lawyer and and I was in my 20s and what I can say is that Sometimes our titles and our education and our stuff that we have in terms of material possessions, they, they define us. And that's even all the more true I found with men. When your title is your job or your profession or how much money I make or how much money I aspire to make, those things can make you feel like I'm on top of the world. But the challenge is what happens when you have everything and you feel like nothing? Mm. And so I speak to people very candidly about the trials and tribulations that that we have in our own personal lives of saying, I have to understand that me, not me as the professional speaking to you all, but me as a human being, as a person, I've got to address who I am, what I'm going through at any particular time. And that's what I would ask each one of the men to do. Be candid with yourselves and say, it's okay for me to get quiet. It is okay for me to tune out noise, the noise of Um, music, the noise of entertainment, tune it out so I can tune in. Sometimes trauma prevents you from doing that because you don't want to focus on being able to think about past events or even current events. That's when you try to get someone professionally competent to be able to assist you on your journey by saying, I've been doing this a long time and I thought I could work it out, but I can't, I need help.
2: So this one, um, it's the next one. It says, what are your suggestions for advocating for the best service possible in situations where one needs to turn to a professional to meet their needs?
0: So like I told you, I had my own examples of dealing with professionals. These were mental health professionals that were psychiatrists, counselors, therapists. They were a little bit of everything when I was dealing with my son when he was younger. And that's what prompted me to go to become a a mental health professional um, myself was that there were people that were just indifferent. They were very callous. And that wasn't, that wasn't, that seemed to be the norm for me. Uh, There were a few people that were really good at what they did. And so when I, that's why I encourage you, if one is not working, I said, we started at A. A represents one. That's the first person you go to. If that doesn't work, go all the way to Z. And if that doesn't work, go to double A. If that doesn't work, you're going to triple A. And you're asking people along the way, you're looking at the resource list that are gathered and you're saying, I need someone that's a good fit for me. Everyone will not be a good fit for you just because they have a degree or a title or they work for someone else. It's about building a relationship where you're able to share and get those things that you need. Um, so, So again, it goes back to the question of how do you find resources within your community? If you have a list, you don't have to have as many conversations because they can go through the list and kind of, you know, seek them out for themselves.
2: Okay. Um, The next one says, how do you introduce something to a person, something so personal to a person you think you may see yourself in a long-term relationship with?
0: So are we talking something personal, like something that is very private that they don't want them to know?
2: Kind of like the the trauma that we talked about earlier. Like if, if they wanted to um, introduce their personal background or things that may have happened, how do they go about um, expressing that?
0: I'm going to give you two answers for that. One is a trauma answer, and the other one is a sexual answer. Mm -hmm. The trauma answer I will give you first, um, but they both start out the same way. Um, we, We do things, I think, very quickly, too quickly sometimes. We overshare sometimes, and we put trust in people who have not earned that trust. Mm -hmm. And so we've been knowing somebody for two months, a month, and we're like, oh, we're besties. That's good that you can be besties. It's good that you can share some things with them. But very private things, you have not invested enough time to be able to share everything with them. So my first bit of advice would be pace yourself and take it very slowly and and Uh, When it comes to certain things, if they are to know certain things, you have to pace yourself before you tell them because they might not be worthy of that trust and all your business is out there. Things you've held close is out there for other people to scrutinize. From a sexual perspective, when you're talking about... um, Um, potential STDs. You all didn't mention this, but I'm taking the liberty to mention it. If a person has some type of um, STD or something like that, I would take the celibate route if I were them. Just, you know, take the, you know, I'm being celibate right now. You don't have to share your status with people. Um, And I would be in a position to not have to share that with them because we don't know, who these people are or what they're capable of. There are a ton of children out here because people jumped the gun. A ton of divorces, a ton of situations that had we taken more time uh, and looked at things not through rose colored glasses of trust, we would have been able to see the true colors that this person might have been a really great person, but they weren't the person to share your confidences with or enter into a longer term relationship with.
2: Hmm. Cool. Moving forward, we have another question um, asking, what is the impact of racial oppression on mental health?
0: It's the same as it is with, I would say, with, 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 um, you know, it's why the news is talking about now, there are 65% or more uh, white people that are, or people of, of other ethnic backgrounds, white people primarily that are getting the vaccination. And the perceptions by many African-Americans is, nope, I'm gonna wait and see, I don't know about that. I don't know. You know, they look at things like, no, know your history. Don't just let somebody else tell you your history. Look up Henrietta Lacks and read read about her. Look up the um, uh, the the um, Tuskegee experiment. Look at those things and read them for yourself. But get yourself the information so you can make an informed decision about your own health. Um, in mental health, it's it's I, I shared my story. My story was that. My son, they didn't know when I went in that I was a professional. They just handed me a script, you know, two minutes into being in there with my son, trying to get services for him. And so I think we've gotten better, but I think we have to have due diligence to make sure that we are our own best advocates, be your own best advocate. And I take this liberty right now to say, as a lawyer, also have a healthcare proxy for you, along with a will and other legal documentation, so that in the event that you are incapacitated or you are not able to make quality decisions mentally, um, medically, Professionally, like with um, finances and other things, you have a trusted person who you have vetted and vetted and vetted to know that they have your best interest at heart. They are not just going to let you die because they want your insurance. Take and do those legal things to make sure that you have your legal documentation in place to speak for you with a durable power of attorney.
1: I want to ask questions to that because I'm fortunate enough to know that, you know, all those things are in place on my side, but there's sometimes a, there's a unspoken rule that, you know, we, we shouldn't talk about wills because that's gonna, that's gonna speak into existence. I mean, I'm gonna die, you know, crazy stuff like that. Can you just touch on the importance of why it's important to have those crucial conversations, especially with somebody that you trust, you know, to the, that you vetted and vetted and vetted (laughs) several times over. Can you kind of just touch on the importance of like that whole experience?
0: It's, It's the same reason that that you have car insurance. It's the same people that people have renter's insurance and homeowners insurance and vision and dental and medical insurance. So come October, typically you have to go and sign up for all of these insurances to make sure that you're renewing your policies. And so, um, you know, some things we are very superstitious about, you know, um, and, and and being superstitious about legal affairs, we're going to have to get out of this. Um, and I, I don't mean any disrespect. I don't mean any disrespect towards anyone, but we have to get out of this. We're funding funerals and funding different events with uh, GoFundMe. Or can we take, you know, can you give me five on it? We have to be more responsible to ourselves and say, for those of you who are in your 20s and 30s, this is the best time for you to get insurance. And no, that is not one of my professions. I'm not an insurance salesperson. So I'm not trying to get you to buy a product. I'm trying to get you to prepare for real life. And if you are able to keep those policies and make those policies grow. Um, You are not calling death to yourself. You are calling responsibility to those that are in your circle. And if you do that, you're better positioned to be able to help your family by being responsible. And you get more resources. Somebody you And just off the top of my head, somebody that's 18, 20, they can get an insurance policy, 30, 40, um, $300,000, something crazy for like $18 or something like that. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean... We- Talking about those shoes you got, you thought you was gonna get until your wife said, No, 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 we're gonna put that towards the <laughs> Why? mortgage. <laughs> Why you gotta
1: bring up stuff that just happened this weekend? Why you gotta do that? Like, that <laughs> was so inappropriate. You
0: know, I... give all day, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> um... no, but seriously, we gotta laugh. One of the things that we don't do is we don't laugh enough, and you gotta have mm-hmm. a sense of humor. So, I was just teasing about that, but if we spend if we spend money on um if we spend money on getting hair and nails done, if we spend money on tickets and going to the ballpark to get some hot dogs, and we can't do that right now, but you understand my point the thirty forty fifty dollars that it takes uh investigate, see how much it is, don't be superstitious um be prepared, and be intentional
2: awesome. we're gonna take two more questions and we're gonna wrap up um one is because i think you addressed a lot of the questions on here um but with this one it says how do you begin to address depression as a caregiver
0: listen i have been a caregiver my my child um that that had uh, autism and or has autism, he can't grow out of it. He's a, a grown adult now, he just celebrated a birthday. And um, one of the things I will tell you, I wrote a, my, my doctoral dissertation was on the phenomenology of caregivers caring for seriously mentally ill young adults on the dsm four spectrum. We are now on DSM-5. So that was a long time ago when I wrote my dissertation, but I talk in that dissertation and I probably need to get ready to draft all that into a book because what I'm finding is more and more people are becoming caregivers. Caregivers catch hell. And what do you do when you're a caregiver And you're trying to help a person that's fighting you. Sometimes, as a caregiver, you are in a position where um, the very person you love and you're trying to care for, it's almost like you're being that swimmer going out there to rescue somebody who is drowning. But when you get to them, they're pulling you down. So, caregiving is a very special place um, in my heart. It's a very tedious place because trying to help people that don't want your help or don't think you need they need your help or your help is unappreciated or underappreciated or not acknowledged at all, it can become frustrating. It goes back to the point that I made earlier, recognize your own challenges, your own limitations, when you recognize those limitations, you say to yourself, I need some help. Some of the ways that you get help are you ask for respite. Respite is where you are asking, can somebody come in here and take this person for a while? Is there some place I can send that person, whether it's for a few hours or a few days or a week or whatever? another thing that you can do is you can build a good support system. And building a support system is tag you in, because I can't do this, (laughs) I I need to take a little break. If you don't take a break, you can become broken. If you don't take a break, you can become broken. So you have to have a team of trusted others. That's what we got to be able to say. um, Siblings, cousins, loved ones, I need help. What do you need? And you know, people always give you that. Well, if you need my help, oh, I do need help. I need you here on Thursday at six o'clock from six to nine. Can you do that? Mm -hmm. And so being specific about the things that you need, and also being able to say that you have to turn off being that caregiver mode when someone else is in that function. You don't you don't put it down and then go run back and pick it back up. Hmm. There's much more that I can give for that answer, but we don't have a lot of time.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to echo the fact of, and you, you said this so clear as day. It's about ultimately being broke. If you don't take a break, you will become broken. That isn't any and every thing that you do. That's why, you know, when you're looking at that job, you better make sure you got enough vacation days or whatever, because if you don't take a break, you're going to bring yourself out and you're just going to be like, listen. And
0: they're going to keep working right on. They're going to say, okay, um, they might not send funerals to the flower, the flowers to the funeral. They might not come to the funeral. They might be like, next. And you have work, 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 and I am I am a hard worker for the things that I do. But you have to take breaks, and you have to plan your breaks, and you have to be intentional about the things that you're doing to make sure that you are practicing self care. Self care might just be a bubble bath. Self care might be uh sitting down listening to some good old music that you need to listen to decompress self care might be saying, "I can't get to the masseuse, but uh honey, can you get right here? Can you scratch my back and that's what you look the queer pro quo works in relationships
1: <laughs> it does that's it. Get that lotion
0: rubbed on feet
2: and
0: don't be afraid to get these feet till they hurt. Don't
2: give her no crusties. That's it. All right. So our last question um, is actually very relevant right now with what we're dealing with. Um, What can be done for our children who are experiencing anxiety or depression as a result of online learning and how do you keep them engaged?
0: I think that is such a, a area of of where we're not really paying attention. We know that the problem is there, but we're we're just. Um, I think I think educators have to understand that computers were not designed for helping these kids. A lot of these kids were having challenges in the classroom, but you now expect them to sit in a classroom for eight hours, you know, with a couple of breaks, and that anxiety is real. It's real for the parents that are homeschooling, for those who are. It's real for the kids. So for the kids, I would say we have to communicate with the kids and say, listen, baby, I know you, not, you don't like this. None of us likes this. It's a trying time, but I need you to do what you're supposed to do with these classes. And then we need to decompress. You have to be responsible to communicate with your child or your children um, and do some fun things. Do some things that are going to help you have a connectivity with your children that is not necessarily education school related. So it, it might be the time to say, we're stuck in the house. We don't need microwave popcorn. Let's go get us some popcorn seeds. Let us, you don't have a popcorn popper. You got a pot. Put some butter and some popcorn and some oil and some salt in there. And we're going, we, mama, this is how you all used to do it. Shake, shake, shake and shake that popcorn. Go in there and say, okay, we're going to learn some measurements. The recipe says, and make up your own recipe. I'm going to start with a quarter cup of lemon juice. We're going to squeeze the lemons. Let's squeeze the lemons. Mm -hmm. Spend time with those babies. They don't have activities. I have four children. They couldn't stand me when they was going to school because they was like, mama going to make us learn some stuff. But if you make learning fun, If you take and say, I want to make some cookies, I want to make some dinner, teach those kids how to cook some dinner, teach them how to wash some clothes. Let it be fun because there's not a lot of things and places they can go right now. Mm -hmm. And so remember why you got those babies, Mm. that you love them. uh, They're going through a hard time open up the conversation and say, hey, let's talk. One of the other things I do is um, show them some movies or listen to some music with them that might talk about anxieties that they have. And you don't necessarily have to talk about the anxiety or the depression because you might not be equipped to deal with everything they're dealing with, but by having conversations, they might say, oh yeah, I felt like like on the movie, I felt like she felt. And if they tell you that, that's one of those, we talked about the men being silent who were traumatized. The kids might show some of the same similar symptoms by being frustrated, they might be angry, they might be snappy. Um, But if you can try to engage them in meaningful ways to find out what's going on with them, it's a good opportunity to kind of take away some of that um, depression or anxiety that they have. And, And by all means, get, this is for everybody, no matter what kind of trauma, no matter whether a child, an adult, a senior citizen, My recommendation is to always get them to a primary care physician. We have virtual health, telehealth right now. So you can do telehealth right at home and say, this is what's going on because it might be something that's even deeper than what we think. So your primary care physician is your first line of defense. Going to specialty care after that, um, and being open and receptive to telehealth options, whether it's for physical, mental, or emotional, or even spiritual care.
1: And I think you touched on some very crucial gems. I'm going to add to that. Um, so I don't have any children, but I have a nephew um, that contacts me, you know, either it be for homework help, et cetera. Um, realize that those children are people too. And sometimes allowing that space, even if this is just talking, you just listen, you don't, they're, they may not just like you as a able-bodied individual, you may not want somebody to necessarily fix your, or, you know, address your issues. You may just want somebody to listen. Sometimes the children, they simply just need that from you. And so just being there, being there for them. Um, meet them when they're at, you know, understand what they're going through. Virtual anything is emotionally draining, and I am cannot wait to hug my friends and family. Um, but between working from home, I see a lot of my teacher friends, you know, teaching from home. It's, it's a struggle around, it's a struggle for anybody involved. So um, much power to all of them. my teacher friends all of my parent friends that are just simply trying to get through this. I, I see you. I feel you. And, um, you know, we're going to have a conversation tomorrow, um, not with a podcast, but we as an organization about um, these COVID conversations, if you will, about, you know, exploring COVID-19. And that's part of this, how we get to some level of normalcy to get back into our everyday routines, everyday routines per se, but it's more so how do we do that in multiple different realms. So with that, um, I want to just ask you if you could be my auntie for real. Cause I don't want to ever, <laughs> put this to ever end. And we, you ain't got to answer now. You can take some time to think about it. But, uh, for the people that may not have, you know, that may want to ask you more questions, things of that nature, um, whether that be social media, whether that be contact information, um, how can people
0: get in contact with you? So um, they can write, They can send me an email to um, the following email and I'll give it to you and you can pass, pass it out to them. It coleman at gmail.com. That is dr.d as in Donna, K as in Kite, C-O-L-E-M-A-N at gmail.com. Okay. And I wanna thank you all um, for, for having me. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share information about wellness. Self-care in this pandemic is, and always is going to be very, very crucial. So I hope that that's one of the biggest takeaways that you all get is that you all practice self-care and allow yourself to to feel how you're feeling, but get some help when things are just off kilter.
1: Understood. So with that, we we love you guys. We want you to stay safe in the middle of this pandemic. My laptop just died, so forgive me. Um, But feel free to tap in with us, the Mental Matters Podcast at www.mentalmatterspod.com. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, things of that nature. And you can stream us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, some other stuff too, and Apple Podcasts, almost forgot. So, again, we love you guys. Stay up, stay healthy, and just remember that your mental matters as much as you do. So, um, Jarrell, do you have anything to leave us with before we close out this part of this?
0: No, I won't belabor the point. Everything that was said was good. Um, just want to let everyone know that, you know, Black History Month continue to read up as Dr. PK told us on our own Black history. I'll just leave with that.
1: That's facts. All right. So next time you guys, we will close this part and.